0: wildly confusing brains,
1: talks and stories and multilingualism, touching, exciting, quirky, and charming, welcome to our world. Cassandra and Violain on widely confusing brains podcast. Thank you for being here and listening to us. Today we have a very special guest. We have Jerome with us. <laughs>
0: um Cassandra, could you present uh, Jerome for the listeners, please? Yes, of course. we met during our undergrad. I was doing my, my undergrad in communication with a major in Spanish. We met there and after that I continued with the masters and it did too. And we lost touch for a couple of years. But what happened the last couple of years that we haven't seen other? Tell us a bit more about you. <laughs> I know there was a pandemic too that happened.
2: Well, f- first of all, uh, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for having me. And and thank you to your listeners for, for listening and for being here with us. Uh, yeah, so Cassandra and I have known each other for, who, I don't know, since like 2017, I think. And I think VLN as well, right? I think we met somewhere around that time, yeah, 2017, 2018
1: that so much,
2: Yeah. Uh so we, we met at the University of Ottawa. Uh the past few years, well yeah, the, the pandemic occurred and I had the pleasure or even the privilege of living in Colombia for three years. Where I met my my now wife. Uh we got married there and I think it's Thanks to the pandemic that I was able to continue with my studies and teach Spanish at a distance. So I I continued to work at the University of Ottawa when I was living down there. So I think without the pandemic, I wouldn't have met my wife. Uh, I wouldn't have the life that I have now. So I'm actually kind of thankful that the pandemic happened. I mean, it's obviously horrible, all the disaster that happens, all of the lives that we've lost. But I mean, in, in my case, I was very, I was very fortunate considering my situation here in Canada as a student. It's it's a bit harder to to make a living, right? To pay the bills. Uh being a full-time student is is somewhat complicated. But compared to the peso in Colombia. Uh, A student wage is, you're living well, like you're living a a pretty good life in Colombia. So I was kind of able to take advantage of that at the same time. And so now we're back. Uh, My wife and I are here in Ottawa. Uh, We arrived in September. We're we're very happy here in Ottawa.
0: And I think the pandemic was a little bit of a high opener for many people, not only you, and about the lifestyle you had in Colombia and here, I'm guessing it was different.
2: Oh yeah, it was. So what happens is, I mean, you know, Canada being a first world country, Colombia being a developing country, I think in developing countries there are more social issues. Uh, there's there's problems with uh, corruption, uh, corrupted governance, lots a lot of poverty, uh, a lot of violence. And so in a country like Colombia, where the government says, oh, You can't leave your house uh, because there is a new virus going around killing people. Well, the Colombian people will not react as Canadians would if their government told them that. They'll be like, no, we don't trust you. You are corrupt. Uh, We will still go outside and do what we have to do to survive. Whereas in Canada, uh, when the government tells you, oh, you can't leave your house because there is a widespread killing virus, deadly virus. And every Canadian is super afraid, like panic mode. You go and buy all your toilet paper that you you need because we trust our government, right? And when the government tells us that there's something serious, well, there's obviously something serious going on. Uh, In Canada, I think there is the luxury of most jobs just being transferred to the home thanks to the computer and the Internet. Uh, it's just not that simple in Colombia. There, Not every part in Colombia has access to internet first and foremost. A lot of people living in the mountains, uh, in the countryside, and they have terrible internet connection. So just that shows you that it's just not the same situation. It's not the same way to handle it. And it's not the same perception from the people. Over here in Canada, one was afraid of catching corona the, the virus and dying. In Colombia, for them, it was just one of millions of viruses that already exist. And just adding one more to the list is not going to change how we live. I mean, they, they were wearing masks when they went outside. Every time you entered someplace, there was like this little hand gel that you put on. But other than that, like bars, restaurants were open. They were packed on weekends. They obviously had a lot of their cases. They had a lot of deaths, just like Canada. But again, the perception was was very different. Over there, another, adding another virus to the list is not the biggest concern. The biggest concern is, is making a living, you know, selling your products on the street to, to, to customers passing by. Uh, it didn't really change anything in Colombia, whereas in Canada it was like a, a a new lifestyle for everybody. It was a dramatic change compared to Colombia.
1: Yeah, I remember in in Mexico, I, uh, I remember someone telling me once that. You have to die of something anyway. So
2: Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly the mindset that they that they have, right? You're gonna die of something. If it's gonna be from that virus or another virus, then so be it. But I'm gonna keep living and I'm gonna keep doing what I have to do yeah. to try to survive, right? So yeah, it's a good way yeah. to, to say it.
1: It's another way of seeing life, and I, I guess I understand that lifestyle and you know, not worrying all the time, being stressed all the time and
2: yeah, I I mean, like, you know, I think it's human instinct to to kind of be afraid of death, right? Just because it's the unknown, we don't know what's after, we do know what we have here and what we have now, and we don't want to lose it. But at the same time, I don't know, do you want to, I, I don't know, I see it in both ways, right? Everybody talks about like, healthy living and living until you're 90 and 100. But if you're always doing things that you don't really want to do, like, oh, I have to exercise every day, I have to eat kale every afternoon, oh. <laughs> I, have, I have to do all these things that I don't want to do, why, I mean, that's one extreme, right? Why would you want to live your life full of things that you don't want to do and you don't like doing? what's the point whereas the other extreme is you do everything that you want uh and you might die at 40 or 45 you know what i mean like you look at the two extremes and you figure like okay maybe like somewhere in the middle right like okay maybe i'll live until like 75 80 i'll 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 do some healthy things to keep living but i'll also do things that i want to do right like i mean we only we only have one chance i don't believe in reincarnation so to me we have one chance to live And, you know, what's the harm in, you know, drinking alcohol from time to time or drinking uh, a greasy pizza that I, I love pizza. I I can't live without pizza, but now I have like high cholesterol. So my doctor tells me, oh, two pizzas a month, no more. They give me a limit, right? Oh no, the limits are starting already. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's a question of balance, right? So. Like don't like do nothing that you like throughout your life so you can live to be a hundred, but also don't do just everything that you want to do and live a horrible, unhealthy lifestyle and and die at fifty. You know, kind of.
0: No, <laughs> I think it's mostly kind of finding a way to embrace life and embrace it every single way in the process of living because it's hard yeah. sometimes to manage to find a way to just really enjoy the moment and be present in the moment. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is just try to find a way to be happy and healthy in a way that's works for you. Yeah.
1: So we're just going to go back to the topic of of our class, which is pretty much languages, even though I love talking about life in general.
2: (laughs) don't we all.
1: (laughs) So uh, which languages do you speak or understand?
2: Yeah. So I consider myself a trilingual, so French, English, and Spanish not particularly in that order i think i'm I'm pretty even among the three languages after that i did learn italian for about five six years but recently i haven't been able to practice it so i can't really speak it i can't understand and i can i can read most of it no problem but the the lack of practice makes it that I, i i'm forgetting almost everything and now, well, recently, I've been adding Portuguese to my repertoire. Uh, I started learning it uh, by myself, uh, just like Duolingo, like like the application. I think I started in like April or May. So it's fairly new, but it's fairly similar to to Spanish. I mean, the vocabulary and the pronunciation is uh, surprisingly very similar to French. A lot of je, je. She... No, seriously, like when I was... Uh, traveling in Portugal, in, in Lisbon, Lisboa, I, I was hearing like some people on the other side of the street, and I was certain that they were speaking French. So I run across the street, but as I hear them more clear, it's like, no, 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 that's not French. <laughs> that's, that's Portuguese, right? But they have a lot of uh, similar sounds, I don't know, in, to my ears, a lot of j's and j's and, and rather than j and ch, right which is which is more uh spanish and maybe english as well they have a lot of the sound and the sh that we use in french so i don't know i i I find it interesting but i'm actually learning the the brazilian uh, portuguese right now yeah
1: that's what i was going to ask which which Portuguese
2: are you learning because they're they're very different right uh they say that the Brazilians speak cleanly and the Portuguese from Portugal they they basically do what us francophones do here in Ontario I don't know if all of Canada maybe they they cut like almost all the words in half <laughs> and like one sentence sounds like one word okay I, I, it's. I have an example if you want. If you want to listen to it, of course. So I, I, I don't know if you'll understand a little bit of Portuguese. So this is the sentence, right? Isto aqui é muito giro. Okay, so you have isto aqui é muito giro. You have five words. Okay, it basically means uh, this is pretty cool. Like this right here that we're living is is fun. It's cool. Okay, so you can change that into a word. Isto que é muito giro and then they'll add the pa at the end i don't know why and then so you're like oh man this your whole sentence becomes a word just because they cut all of them in half so that's why they say like the portuguese from brazil they don't do that they pronounce the words as they should so it's kind of like a clean portuguese whereas the portuguese they have like their shortcuts right it's interesting
1: I mean I, I was I don't remember the name of it, but I was watching a, a Netflix TV show uh from from Brazil. So I, I always watch it in the original language. I I, I feel like it's it's still maybe I, I should compare it with the Portuguese from Portugal. Maybe that's what I'm missing. But I feel like even the Brazilian was still quiet. I guess oh, for yeah. me doesn't speak Portuguese was quite fast and, and like in that short sentence word thing happening at the same time
2: no de- definitely so when, when you think of like the regionalisms right so i mean when i when i say brazilian portuguese i mean like the standard right obviously if you go in a little town in the middle of nowhere nowhere in brazil they'll obviously maybe have their own way of Of shortcuts of speaking more simply or or more fast or faster sorry so yeah obviously there can be some some different regionalisms where well where they'll do the same in Brazil obviously I just feel like uh, the Brazilians can more easily use a standard that's understandable among all whereas the Portuguese are very like entrenched in their in their way of of speaking it might be harder for them. It's yeah. the
1: feeling I have with Spanish from Spain and and Spanish, for example, from Mexico, which is the one I, I know most. Like to me, Mexican and Spanish is so much easier than the Spanish from Spain. I like I'm going to Spain for a school trip in a few months, and I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be with another teacher that speaks Spanish. I should. Then the others don't. So basically, there's two people speaking Spanish, and I'm like. I'm kind of nervous too because I'm like, yeah, I do speak Spanish. But but the Spanish from, in this case, we're going to Valencia. I, I'm not sure okay. in English. Valencia. <laughs> and uh, I've been uh, last year, I think, for like a vacation. And I understand, but it takes like more time oh, yeah. for me. Like, okay, yeah, that's the sentence they said. So now I can answer. <laughs> and I will use other expressions too. So it's I feel like the Spanish from Spain is so much to me harder and faster and same like if they, you go south even andalusia they're gonna pronounce it like in that one yeah. word thing and you don't yeah. not sure exactly what you're saying so
2: little fun fact uh actually i think valencia was voted the best place to live in the world a survey like a worldwide survey and i think like it came out that the result was valencia I, I, I mean, just read that like a few days ago online. It was like an article. Is it the best places to live in the world?
1: Beautiful. Like it's a beautiful city. The region is beautiful. You, you have the ocean. Well, not the, sea, the ocean. The sea. Uh,
2: the sea. Um,
1: you have like many things to do. But at the same time, as a tourist, I felt like it wasn't the best place to visit. Mm-hmm. But, may- but that's what I said when I came back to France. I was like visiting, yeah, a few days was fine i wouldn't stay longer as a tourist but i i did say like but honestly to live
2: so yeah i mean how how objective was that yeah. result i i i don't know but i mean i guess it goes to show that it's it must be a, a nice place to live maybe not the best but it, it's got to be nice right i isn't don't they speak uh another language in valencia don't yeah, they have exactly. like their their well, they own language.
1: Valenciana, so they, I guess, they speak the Valenciano.
2: Valenciano, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I always get mixed up, like if they actually speak Catalan, but no, they're it's another so, thing. Yeah, it's
1: you down, Valenciano,
2: French, yeah, um, yeah, uh, interesting. interesting.
1: Which kind of looks like Catalan, but you, we shouldn't say that to them. No, no, no no,
2: oh. no, 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 They're 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 their own thing. Yeah, yeah, they're different yeah. things. I I had just forgot how how it was called, uh, but. I mean, like you said, you know, in Spain, well, just like in Mexico, in Spain, you you definitely see the differences from one region to another, right? And obviously the the contact with the other languages that are not Castellano, right, Castilian, you know, you have Basque, you have uh, Catalan, uh-huh. you have Valenciano, you have uh, Galicia, what, what is it? It's uh, uh,
1: I'm not sure Gall-
2: Gallego or something like that. Right, so even with all those contacts too, they obviously change the, their expressions, their their vernacular. So yeah, I know Spain is. I've always I always had a hard time with the Spanish dialect as well. I think it's the S in particular. Like they have a they have a thicker S. Like they don't say mass like very clearly. Mash, mash, notch. Sh- but it's like right between. I can't even do the sound. And it's only the, the Spanish uh that can say that S. And it's just I I can't, it's hard for me to to process that sound. And I I always had a hard time. And obviously, you know, the, the vocabulary is different. You have to know it. So I kind of get where, well, how you're how nervous you are, because maybe you might have a, a oh, hard time understanding me. from time to, to time, me. right? And and, and, like, and, and, and you're the expert, right? You're like, oh no, I, I have to I have to explain this to them now.
1: They're going to wonder if I'm actually teaching them Spanish or you're, something.
2: You yourself are learning, right? Oh. I'll
1: get my whole list of vocabulary for like the Spanish from Valencia and be like, okay, like you need to remember those words and make sure you know them by uh, the moment you're going to go. And then use them when you need to. I'm not sure I will understand them, but at least I can use them.
2: <laughs> well, l- Luckily, you're only teaching them Spanish and not also Valenciano. <laughs> that yeah. would be a whole other story. <laughs>
0: so I'll uh, go back a bit to your first languages. So tell me, how did you learn them? Because I know there was different oh, ways of learning them.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm considered a, a Franco-Ontarian. At heart, I was actually born in Quebec, but uh, I identify as a Franco-Ontarian. So French is my first language. We speak French within the family. But uh, considering French is a minority language in Ontario, uh, I had all of us had to learn English at a very young age. I don't remember exactly how I acquired English. I just know that when I was five or six, I started watching the simpsons in english and i would somehow understand i guess i i guess i acquired english from television (laughs) or you know just people in society you know most of them spoke english from ottawa actually i was raised in a small town just outside of ottawa uh, a place where there are more cows than people kind of thing (laughs) uh and uh for Spanish, that occurred uh, when I was when I was twenty three. So much later, uh, I've been learning and speaking it for ten years now, and so yeah, I feel like I can switch from one to another anytime under any register, any context. It's just a question of switching. I also mix them a lot. I I, I mix French and English most often. I'll I'll speak a bit of Spanglish. Here and there, uh, mostly here in Canada, uh, just because the other places where I lived, there weren't a lot of people that knew English. Like Colombia, Chile, Mexico, not not as many people know English, so it's mostly just Spanish. But I I love mixing. I love Fanglais. Uh, I love Spanglish. I I just I feel I feel like I feel like not everybody can identify with that, so it's something unique the french and english well to to some canadians right and then the spanglish as well like i don't know it's cool it's it's fun it's fun to do it's fun to be able to do and i don't know it's just a different way of communicating right but it's just as fun
0: and with your wife you speak spanish english
2: yeah so my my wife is colombian uh so in the house we mostly speak spanish we should be speaking more in english sometimes i take the initiative to start to start a conversation in english or in the middle of a conversation i'll just randomly switch to english but i i don't do it enough and at the same time she sometimes asks me things in english you know like oh how do you say that in english and those kinds of things but again, I feel like we're lacking initiative. We always like go back to Spanish or we always start off the day in Spanish just because of instinct, right? When we were in Colombia, we almost always spoke in Spanish. So it's 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 an adjustment for sure.
0: But I think it's also an adjustment for you because in a way, kind of you've always been surrounded with French and English all your life. And now you start your day in Spanish, which is totally different. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, right now I feel like I've reached a certain level where I'm I'm 100 comfortable in Spanish now. I well, I mean, after 10 years <laughs> and living three years in Colombia, like you kind of have to, right? I think at the beginning it was tougher because I I went through the university program, right? So taking Spanish courses, uh, you know, having three to four hours of Spanish class a week, which is obviously not enough to be immersed or or establish a very good knowledge of the language, right? You obviously have, you, you need more exposure, uh, you need to have to speak Spanish because all of my colleagues, they were all Canadian. We all spoke English and French. So we would always go back to French or English when we didn't understand each other or as soon as we didn't know a word. So it's not the same environment, right? So I think uh, for my first exchange program, it was in uh, Chile or Chile in Spanish. Uh, I was in Santiago, the capital. And after two years of classes in Spanish, I realized that it didn't serve me whatsoever. I got to Chile and I didn't understand anything. I had to start back at zero just because of the dialect. The Chilean dialect is very different from all of the professors that I had had before. Cause I mean, I, I was fortunate. I had a, a professor from Mexico, Spain, Cuba, venezuela colombia so you, you could hear like all these different dialects throughout the program but i had never had a chilean professor so when i got to chile i was living with some equatorians and they were doing their their phd i was still doing the bachelor and when they told me that when they started their phd in chile they would have to record their professors and listen to the lectures at night when they got back home because they couldn't understand their professors. And I'm like, well, Spanish is your first language. And if you don't understand them, how the hell am I going to understand? And you know, I'm having a hard time with Spanish. I'm still learning because you assume that in an academic environment, the professors will use a more standard. Uh, speech right but it just wasn't the case they would speak just the same way that my colleagues and and the students would speak on the street it was impossible for me to understand anything that was said I had a headache every night just trying to process all of this communication and so in the end I had to ask my professors for more lectures because I didn't understand what they were saying so I was just buried in books and, and and articles and texts that I had to read in a country that I wanted to discover. So I ended up spending a lot of time in my room studying Spanish from, I don't know, texts from the 18th century, Spanish that we don't even use anymore, like words that aren't even pertinent anymore. I had to learn them. I had my dictionaries and all that. And. It was tough, but at the end in the end it was another experience that I enjoyed, you know, it, it made me who I am today. I wouldn't be the same person without it. So
1: would you say that now, uh, with like, you know, the Colombia, the fact that you have a Colombian wife, so you speak mostly Spanish, you've been living in Colombia, you would like, if you meet a Chilean person, you're gonna understand much better even maybe a hundred percent of what they're saying.
2: Yeah, maybe not a hundred percent, just because Uh, the intonation like the way that they you know like how like you sing when you talk like you go high and you go low the intonation in Chile is so strange like it's nothing compared to any of the languages that I've heard in my life it's just they go up when we go down and they go down when we don't do anything it's just so it's hard to get a sense of the sentence right like even for like questions you know like you'll finish going up you know like what's your name you know like but then for them like it's the opposite it's just you don't know when they're asking a question or making a statement like I mean there's also influence from Italy like Italian I mean uh, because of I guess immigration right like movement during the the world wars uh so instead of saying como estás right like how are you they'll say come <laughs> it's like, so at first when they die like i because i knew italian so I'm like are you is that a, is that like an italian here in chile or is that and they would explain to me no that's that's chilean that's how we talk and so now actually a few days ago for new year's we had some friends over and a couple is actually from chile and um i i could understand most of what he especially the guy, I had a harder time understanding the guy than, than the girl. Some of the things, it's just that they sometimes they speak so fast and with that that strange intonation. It just I just can't process it that quickly. As quickly as let's say uh, speaking in, in the Mexican dialect or the Colombian dialect or almost any other dialect for that matter. <laughs> but Obviously, now, after, after speaking uh, Spanish constantly for years, obviously, I could understand a much more, like, vocabulary that's shared among all the dialect, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's much easier now. But still, let's, let's just say that uh, Chile wouldn't be my, the first place where I'd want to live, you know? It would take me a while to, to get used to the dialect there, for sure. It's very different very different from all the others
0: did you have a hard time understanding the Equatorians? because i know they had also the quechua sometimes that comes up so i'm kind of interested in that perspective
2: yeah so so actually uh quechua is interesting where where we were living in the south in south of colombia the southern part we were actually very close to the the border with ecuador uh, so the culture is actually very similar to the northern part of Ecuador. And Quechua is actually very uh, uh, frequently spoken in the region where we lived as well. They actually have like a dictionary of words that they use from Quechua. For the Ecuadorian, okay, so you have your, your two major dialects, right? You have the coastal dialect and you have your inland. The inland uh, will pronounce their consonant a lot more, so it's a lot easier for foreigners to understand their Spanish. For the coastal dialect, they tend to over-pronunciate their vowels and under-pronounce their, their consonants, right? So, instead of saying, que mas They would tell me, que mas sorry, can, can you, can you, one more time, que and I'm like, well, I, 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 don't understand, is that one word, is that three, is that two words, uh, so at first, because they were from Guayaquil, which is the biggest city on the coast of, of Ecuador, so at first, yeah, I took a little bit of adjusting, but, uh, I had actually heard of that phenomenon before I met them, uh, and it's actually very, very frequent or or it's actually very popular in the in the coastal parts of Colombia, in all the islands uh, in the Caribbean. Uh, and it actually actually came from uh, Andalusia, right, from from Spain, where all of the, the workers and the slaves at that time when they arrived, that's how they would speak. They wouldn't pronounce it, for example, the final S. Right. So que más. They'd say, well, like, hey you know, and, and the S would like somewhat be, you know, forgotten right, or just not pronounced. So I was actually familiar with the phenomenon. So I think from there, it was easier for me to catch on. As opposed to Chilean, I had not learned anything from their dialect. I had no idea what it sounded like because I had never met a Chilean. So that was just brand new, a brand new dialect that I had to learn. For the Equatorian and, and the Colombians, I feel like the Colombian is probably the easiest for a foreigner to understand out of all the dialects that I heard, and they're actually known for that. But when they speak a, a standardized Spanish, right, obviously when they speak their vernacular, you won't understand a thing. But Colombians are known for uh, speaking the right uh, pace. Their tone is very familiarized with other in, in other languages. And uh, they're known for speaking in a more formal tone rather than informal, which just makes it more standard for everybody. So, I mean, for those who are interested in in learning Spanish and and being exposed to a dialect that's not so hard to do, Mexico is a good one too, just because in Mexico they tend to speak more slowly. It's because of the heat, and, and the Mexicans are just a very relaxed people, right? So, they'll take their time speaking Spanish so that's good too I don't know if you you agree uh, Violet but I also think Colombia is a good option if you if you if you want to better your Spanish uh, I'd say those are two good countries to to learn from
0: for me when it comes to Mexicans I know we speak really fast but depends if we have someone that wants to learn it we just we just go slower Um, you accommodate exactly I think that's the biggest thing we accommodate
1: my own experience living in Mexico and meeting Mexican people, even, even your family, people, I guess at first people were just, but I, I, when I went to Mexico, I was already speaking Spanish, but a more standard Spanish that we learn in France and in Spain. So it was a little bit different. But then, so I arrived, I had no expressions. The intonation is a little bit different, but I really felt like Mexican Spanish was so much easier than the Spanish I, I knew from Spain, which is so fast with the theta and whatever they, I don't know how they can go fast doing that sound, but I mean, I understand how you can go fast doing this like this, but I don't understand how this is, is working. Yeah,
2: fail. Yeah.
1: going fast anyway. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know, but for me, Mexican Spanish, even at some point I was just speaking and, and, and you know that Cassandra, for me, is just, it's one of the easiest one you can learn and, and understand when you start Spanish and then on the go like um, Argentinian is very different it goes a little faster I wouldn't say too fast but a little faster but the pronunciation is quite different Chilean I, I'm not familiar with it but I'm guessing I'm, I may not want to know
2: <laughs> speaking of art I love the Argentinian dialect just because of how they say so, so like yeah. instead of like que bueno like, que bueno <laughs> it's like so like it's so expressive i we have some argentinian friends and i i just love that dialect the way that they sing it's it's their highs and their lows are they're they're the same as us they just go much higher and much lower all the time it's just it's just pretty awesome but there was something i want to say oh yeah so cassandra when you talk about accommodation right i think it comes down to that like maybe there are some Uh, populations that tend to accommodate more than others like maybe colombians and mexicans they want to accommodate so that people understand them whereas let's say in chile or in spain for example maybe it's not a question of maybe they don't want to i know that like the the castilian the spanish are very proud like it's their castilian they speak the correct way and everybody should speak like them right so maybe that's a question of wanting, but maybe like in Chile, for example, they don't know how to accommodate, right? Or they never learn, right? Maybe because of their isolation throughout their history, uh, it's just when foreigners come, maybe they just can't accommodate as much as Mexicans or Colombians, maybe because of tourism. Maybe there was a lot more tourism in, in Colombia and in Mexico. So they're, they're trying to accommodate, right? So maybe, that, maybe that's a big factor in, in in the equation right
0: but also think it's a fact that we always enjoy when people try oh yeah brings a smile to their faces and just
2: oh happiness. yeah all the all the time you know uh you, you just say one word you know, like gracias oh oh he knows a word in spanish awesome you know it's it's like maybe because of of the First world, developing world, dynamic. You know, like, oh, how does a first world person, you know, put any importance in how we speak? Well, obviously, right? Like, Spanish is, what is it? The is it the second or the third most spoken first so language in the world?
1: Russian, Chinese, while well, Mandarin is no, no
2: first language.
1: First language.
2: So there's there's Mandarin, there's Arabic, and then there's Spanish. Six hundred million as a first language, right? Not as any language. Obviously, any language will english right has to be up there but in terms of first language i think first it's mandarin or, or arabic those are the two first and then it's spanish so i mean obviously it's it's a huge language and it lets you communicate with well, like i said another 600 million people in the world
1: <laughs> i talking about expressing yourself in those languages and you lived in, in colombia for example how were you able like you really knew spanish but how were you able to for example express your emotions express i know sometimes um i don't know i went to the to see a therapist when i was in mexico and it was kind of tricky because i had to express myself in spanish even though i did speak spanish and i was fine with my spanish and and quite fluent with it it was still like harder for me to express the, the like deep emotions i yeah. needed to express in that language
2: yeah uh that's a it's a very good question well, in my case, I don't, I don't know. I, I, am not gonna say I'm I'm not an emotional person, but I, I think that I never really reached like a a high in terms of emotional or a low. I'm I'm usually like pretty, I don't know, constant in in my emotions. Like you know, sometimes I'll be happy, sometimes I'll be sad but uh to talk about like deep emotions it would be tough like it, it's emotions are different right i think in french and in english i'd have no problem uh just because you know throughout my life i've obviously lived some some high, higher highs and lower lows maybe but since learning and communicating in spanish i i can't say that i've had like these highs in which i felt like a like a a deep emotion or these lows so uh to me it would it would definitely be tricky right if i were to talk to a therapist like how am i feeling in spanish i mean i think it, it i would mainly it would mainly remain superficial in terms of conversation like i don't think i could go that deeply in in how i'm feeling just because i i never had to right it would be It would be something new so i don't know i don't even know if i have the register right the vocabulary to to discuss these deep issues or these deep emotions that i'm feeling just because i never i never experienced it or i don't i don't know maybe i have it i i I can't i can't uh, recognize or i don't know just i how how can I summarize? Yeah, it, it, I guess it would be tough in Spanish just because I haven't spoken in my whole life. Uh, when I feel strong emotions, let's say, I'll, I'll tend to go back to French and English, just because uh, because of the experience. Because maybe I know more vocabulary, right? It's all a question of vocabulary when you try to express yourself. Verbs aren't just not going to cut it. You need like you know, concepts, and and you need to know what they are, right? So I think for my lack of experience, it would definitely be tougher to express my, my deeper emotions in Spanish, for sure. I would need help from maybe my wife, like maybe she could help me out with the terminology, right?
0: If you had to choose a language where you feel more comfortable with, which would it be? Was it French, English? Because I know your first language technically speaking is French.
2: Yeah, so in in chronological order, it's French, English, Spanish. I think it would be a close. I think it would be close between English and French. I think in the end, English is somewhat. I feel somewhat more comfortable just because of repetition, frequency of use. Right here, it's mostly English. When you think of all the media, uh, television, movies, music, I mean. You know, I'll watch a movie in French uh, from time to time, you know, when a good one comes out of Quebec or France. But, you know, uh, 29 movies out of 30 or, or, or maybe 25 out of 30 will be in English. Maybe three will be in Spanish and two in French. Right. And then when you do the same for a TV series, uh, music, uh, even, even radio, podcasts, you know, anything, most of it is in English. Throughout my career at university, uh, most of my, you know, final projects, most of my courses were in English before going into languages, right? So I think after all that, English is probably the language in which I feel more most comfortable, but French is not that far behind, just because there's, I, 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 have, I spend less time speaking in French now Spanish is you know coming coming up it's it's going up the ranks but again like I said you know I I don't know all the vocabulary yet you know it's a it's a lifelong journey learning a vocabulary of of a language right I'm still learning words in English and French so
1: and do you feel the same person in in all of your languages like saying you have English you close mm-hmm. French and then Spanish even though it's going up and up every time do you feel nah. like you're in person uh like in those languages
2: yeah like in terms of personality like identity or
1: yeah well i guess both in that sense like for me i I would go more for identity like person deep inside
2: yeah so i mean I, I'm not sure that my identity changes when I go from one language to another. I think after having lived in Colombia for three years, that obviously has an impact. I, I mean I I don't think I, I don't think one can be left unchanged after living something like that, right? I definitely I definitely feel like I'm more curious in Spanish just because it's it's something that I started learning more, more recently. I decided to learn it like it was my choice. And so every time I, I hear something new or I hear a different way to, to pronounce or, you know, just anything different, I become super curious and I ask questions like, why did you say it like that and not the other way? And then you you learn like so many things like culture wise. And yeah, that's something that I don't necessarily feel in French or in English like I don't feel like that that wanting to learn more or to better my French my English I feel like it's taken for granted like I've been speaking it my whole life and I don't really need to improve it but Spanish is always something that I'm that I feel I'm, I I I want to improve uh, just because it's I feel like it'll never be at the same level as my two uh, native languages here so I think it changes Uh, my personality more in that sense in terms of identity well now i identify obviously more with colombia because i've been living there for for three years in the sense that i feel now like i have two homes right like a lot of people when they travel they feel strange in their new environment and then when they come back to their old environment they they feel strange because you know they've been living somewhere else and you feel like you have no home right or or you feel that like a stranger anywhere you go for me, it's kind of the opposite. I feel like I have two homes. <laughs> like I'm, I'm part Colombian and, and part Canadian, right? Like I can go to Colombia and, and go see my wife's family. And, and I feel like they're my family now, And you know, they treat me as such. So in terms of identity, yeah, obviously it, it, it sort of widened my identity, right? I can now identify with not just, not just the country, but you know, they their lifestyle, their music. I love their music, the way they dance. You know, like in Canada, we're not really known as a dancing culture. You know, like, well, oops, oops at the, at the club, but that's not, you know, that's not much, right? Over there, like, it's all, like, structured, and there's, like, chemistry between the two people, and, you know, it's another world, right? And I I, I love it. It's something that, that we don't have, necessarily, here in Canada, unless you go to, like, a Latina night, and there they do the same thing, right? But... Uh, it's different. Also, Colombia. Like, I'm not a person that celebrates a lot. Like, I ne- I don't celebrate my birthday. I'm not even a very big on Christmas. Like, you know, I'll spend time with the family, but I'm not a very celebratory person. But in Colombia, they celebrate everything. They're they're known for having the most uh, days off of work. Just. For whatever reason, uh, they just celebrate and party and like all the time. You wonder like when do they work? <laughs> 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 but I mean, it's 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 amazing, right? Like uh, amid all of the negativity in that country, like all the corruption, all the violence, they still find a way to be happier than us. I generally think that Colombians are happier than Canadians, even though Canadians uh, have more resources. Uh, they're they're living much better. There's much less poverty, much less violence. But I still somehow feel that this joie de vivre, like this this joy, right, just to be alive and and celebrate, that's something that's admirable in in Colombian people. I think in in Mexico as well, Mexicans celebrate a lot too, right? They they know how to celebrate life. And it feels like here in Canada we we don't have time. There are more and more things to do, you know. Like let's keep celebrate to a minimum and let's and let's work and study and you know try and make ends meet and pay the bills. And over there it's just ah uh, you know we don't pay the bill you know we'll pay it when we can. And in the meantime, we'll celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just that's something I you can't take away. And I and I I think I. I think now, like, I I start to celebrate maybe a little bit more, you know, just because of that influence. So it kind of changed me a little bit as a person. But in terms of going from one language to the other, I'm not really. I think I smile more when I speak Spanish, for example. Like you you can be speaking in Spanish and always be smiling. It's just a fact. Whereas in French and English, because of the way we we pronounce words, like sometimes it it makes a different shape. Like, oh, you can't be smiling. But in Spanish, you can always be smiling. So that's, that's an aspect that I love of that language. And that's why Spanish is my favorite language. Aside from the... The Spanglish and the franglais where you just like mix and code switch whenever you want. That's pretty cool too. But out of French, English and Spanish, French is definitely my my favorite language to use. Spanish. Spanish, yeah. Sorry. Which one did I say? French. <laughs> Spanish, <laughs> Spanish, much more fun to use, in my opinion.
0: But I was going to say, I feel like it's a coping mechanism to be able to celebrate the little things that we have in life because in a way it's it's so dark there's so many dark things in that society that can just overtake the rest
2: that's a that's a very good point right i i feel like well building on that point i feel like those who haven't really lived hardship like like true hardship maybe they they take life more for granted right they they don't they don't maybe they don't appreciate it as much as those who have lived through hardship and so they feel the need to celebrate right it's just like you know where where you're at the lowest point in your life to the point where you you might even want to end it just how badly things are going and then when you get out of it you know like you feel maybe like you're lucky to still be living And you want to live it to the fullest. That's where I think like my wife and I are very different. She lived through a lot of hardship when she was younger. And I had like almost like the the perfect, the perfect life. Like Mm -hmm. never, I never lived any real hardship. And so I think that's why she celebrates everything. And I celebrate nothing. Right. So it's it's a good point, you know, for those who live through all that hardship. Maybe celebrating is is definitely a, a good coping mechanism to help, you know, keep going, you know, move forward and celebrate anything you can. right? It's a good point.
0: It's a different lifestyle. Obviously, it's completely different from being used to in Canada. Kind of I'm both I'm born in both cultures and I know how every single aspect is different
2: when you think about the little things. Yeah. Maybe lifestyle, I would say maybe more like a different mindset. Yeah. Right. Because the lifestyle, I mean, she's living basically the same way that we are. It's just that when there's a chance to celebrate, she wants to celebrate and she wants to celebrate hard, you know? <laughs> and, and so so I think I think it's more like a, a mindset, right? I think yeah. you know that's how it is for for any coping mechanism for those who have who have quite a harder life, you know, a tougher life to live through. And yeah, they they have to come up with their own coping mechanisms, and maybe that's one of the more popular ones in Colombia, for example. Yeah.
1: And yeah. and which uh, advice would you give to the listeners and to us, whether when it comes to mindset, lifestyle, or languages?
2: <laughs> I think I think for anything, well, you know this is based on on my beliefs right like somebody who doesn't believe in reincarnation so to me we all have one chance at life and i think we have to make the most of it so i think one life can be summarized by just an accumulation of different experiences and to me the goal is to accumulate as many experiences as you can you know what what is life all about well if you keep living the same thing, let's say the same routine in the same place your entire life. Well, you know what that life is about, but you don't know anything about the other lives, right? So I guess my advice would be try to keep an open mind about different things and try to live as many different things as you can, whether you like them or you don't, it still counts as an experience. So, and in the end, when you look back on your life, how many experiences will you be able to look back on? Will it be the same experience every day? And that's fine too if you're passionate about it and and you know you keep learning in that way. That's fine too. In my case, uh, it's accumulating as many different experiences as you can. And I think learning languages opens so many other worlds and possibilities to live different experiences. So. That would be maybe my advice to, to the listeners out there.
0: That's a wonderful advice. I think I should listen to it more often. But anyways, um, going back to your projects, what are you working on? Kind of how do we contact you if you had questions about your topics right. or everything like that?
2: Right. So I'm currently, well... It's hard to say finishing my PhD thesis. I'm trying to finish my PhD thesis. Uh, it, it, it's, it looks at uh, the maintenance of Spanish among uh, immigrants who live in Canada and have acquired French and or English. So basically how French and English in their mind affects their first language, which is Spanish, right? I'm still uh, in the in the process of uh, looking for participants. I have about 40 of them. I'm looking, I'm looking for another, to add another 40. Uh, and that might take maybe like another year or so if I'm lucky. And then after that, we'll finish writing the thesis and, and publishing hopefully by this year, if not in 2024. So that's my main project right now. Uh, a second project, we've been working on it for for a while with my supervisor and and a few other uh, colleagues on uh, bilingual swearing. So we actually uh, established or we came up with like a form, not not a form, a survey, sorry, uh, with lists of uh, French and English swear words. And we asked people like, oh, is this word offensive or is this not offensive? And then they would scale it Right. Like how offensive each word is, which is pretty interesting. And also uh, their swearing habits. So when do they swear? Where do they swear? In which context? With whom? Right. So all those things. So it's not published yet. Uh, we're close to publishing it. We're, we're just finishing uh, the last sections of the article, uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting, right? It's we we don't know. So after that, we'll we'll know a little bit more about which words are more offensive than others and when Canadians swear, or where or with whom. <laughs> if that interests anybody, we found it pretty cool. <laughs> it was some reactions from participants, right? They they write to me, oh, I, you know, maybe like a uh, older generations. Right? For for them, like a word like I don't know if I can say it, fuck, right? For older generations, maybe oh, oh no, what a what a terrible word, right? But for us, like our generation, we hear it all the time, right? So maybe for us it's just not as offensive anymore as the older generations who would you know never say that under any circumstances right or else they got in trouble or something like that right so that's a that's another project that that we're working on right now yeah and how to communicate with me oh that's the toughest part of it all uh because i'm i'm just not good with social media I'm, I'm not really a fan of them i have whatsapp and i have messenger so i have a facebook account but i almost never use it so i i write to people on messenger basically i i use them just to talk to people that i know uh and nothing else uh so yeah after the the podcast i can maybe send you my my contact information if if somebody's interested or if anybody has any any questions you can share my contact info, no problem.
1: Okay, thank you, Jerome, thank you so much. Uh, it was nice catching up and, and learning about your experiences, which I didn't know about. So it's great then learning about, you know, congratulations on your new, on your wedding, on your marriage and, <laughs> thank and you. Uh, you know, moving back, moving to Columbia, coming back, maybe going back one day to Columbia, who knows like it mm-hmm. could happen in some other places. Yeah, and thank you to our listeners to listen, hopefully. I hope you enjoyed it and that you can share and comment. Any useful comment is welcome.
2: Uh, Another thank you for the invitation. Always a pleasure uh, talking to you both. And uh, we'll see you you next time. We'll catch up again at at another another point in time.